everybody. Welcome to Industry Night with me, Nikki Nellis, the show that takes you on the deep dive of the happenings of the hospitality industry. If you're new here, a little bit about me. I've been covering the food, wine, and hospitality scene primarily in the D.C. metro area, but honestly, I'm a little national and international, too. For the last 20 years, you certainly will read the list, are you on it.com, the online e-zine that tells you everything happening here in the D.C. market. Of course, you follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, threads, I don't know, every platform where I can tweet or take a photo, you can find me there. And of course, now we're on YouTube with this fabulous show, Industry Night. Lastly, do tune in every Friday, uh, Sunday um, on 1500 with my husband, David, and I. We just celebrated 15 years on air with Foodie and the Beast. It's DC's only food and wine variety show. Now, you may notice if you've been here before that I am in a totally new location, and I am. Um, it's my new residency. I'm at the point, which is a buzzard's point, here in Washington, D.C. It is a fascinating area. It is a sparkly, beautiful area, total new development. And what's interesting is, is that you have the wharf on one side and you have Navy Yard on the other, and they all converge here at Buzzard's Point, where the Point DC is. And my um, generous, generous benefactor here today, who's brought me here to do the next month of shows, is Greg Casting. Hi, Greg. Hi, Nikki. How, How are you? It's so good to have you here. First of all, thank you so much oh. for having me uh, do the show here for the month. I'm very excited about the kind of guests I'm bringing in. But I would love for people to know a little bit, because you've got your big pro fish there on your chest, like how a fish guy gets into the restaurant industry. Well, it really goes all the way back to growing up on the shore in New England and working in fast food and flipping burgers and, and loving the challenge of executing a shift, right? Every restaurateur knows in his heart, really the thrill of it is to have that perfect shift, to be able to deliver all the food right on time to the right person in the right condition. And it's challenging. And, and with a smile. And with a smile. Right. And, and, and with a come see us again, no matter how mad you were or right. how happy. Right. So, but then, so let's talk about, because uh, your group, Fish and Fire. Fish and Fire Food Group. Right? Has how many restaurants? We have four now and two in the works. Okay. So let's list them off. So there's Tony and Joe's and Nick's Riverside Grill, which have been in the family since the Dancing Crab days, which unfortunately went along the way of a lot of crab places. Uh, back in the late 2000s. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have Ivy City Smokehouse and this, the Point DC is our most recent opening in 2020. We're about to open in Deanwood, a place called The Strand that mm -hmm. is gonna take a historical theater and we're gonna partner up with some people over in Deanwood and, and try to open a fun neighborhood place there. And Is that and a new development too? It's a standalone uh, building that's on the corner of Nanny Helen Burroughs and Division Avenue. Um, and uh, no, it's 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 really in the neighborhood, right next to Woodson High School. Okay. It's a beautiful part of D.C. that people don't see as much every day. Will be, I think, the only sit-down restaurant. It's in Ward Seven. Okay. As you know, I like to reach out to the the up-and-coming development or emerging neighborhoods. Not development. I like the old feel, the nitty-gritty Washington D.C., which is 
buzzard point. I mean, well, so, but let's talk about it because like when I think of, I, you know, Washington Harbor is now, you know, this, a standard DC location, but when you opened up there, concrete plant, I mean, there was nothing there. It was a sand pit and Ivy city, no different. And now here, I mean, it, it, listen, it's a bit of a construction zone still, but you have the Anacostia and the Potomac rivers coming together. I mean, it's beautiful. It's the deepest part of the two rivers. I use it in our marketing, the confluence of two historical rivers. People right. don't realize the Anacostia was actually the river the British came up on barges uh, when they burned uh, Washington in 1812, mm -hmm. and it dried up. And over the last 10 years, the federal government, the district government, have had this massive $5 billion effort to get the waters deeper and swimmable. Right. And it's... It's very close now to being both of those, but it's a wonderful part of the city with extraordinary wildlife, beautiful views. It's really just like Washington Harbor was in the late 80s. Right. Well, I, to me, the fact that so much time has gone by, even if we talk about the wharf, which is all shiny and new, yeah, but, and Navy Yard, but those areas were just these gorgeous areas, beautiful views that were just not being utilized. It was amazing the way cities neglected their waterfronts. Yes, that's a perfect way of saying it. And, and I think that came to a realization. I think, look, I think Tony and Joe's was on the avant-garde of that. I, I credit a guy named Herb Miller, who is actually the connection between this and, and Washington Harbor, which were both very visionary places to go put money, right? Yes. And, I mean, if you look at this space, it's, 13,000 square feet. Yeah, it's not small. 22 foot ceilings. Mm -hmm. This is used to be the FBI headquarters. And after that, it was the Coast Guard headquarters. It's got a lot of history. Right. Took a lot of risk to convert that to be something all Washingtonians can enjoy. And I'm really lucky to have been part of it. Well, can we talk about your vision a little bit? Because, you know, you have to really be able to look at nothing to create something. So how did you know, like, I want a patio that looks like X or I want the building to look like Y? What was the feel? Because none of your places look the same. Like, it's not like there's a, a you don't. It's a very interesting question. You know, a lot of it, is, the key word is feel. Mm -hmm. And I would come here a lot when this, you know, I took a long time to sign the lease and I would actually sit here at night and people would be looking at me like, What's he, it was abandoned. There was right. nothing here. There was, the building wasn't active and, you know, and then you work with your team and you talk things out in the design stages and you get a feel of this restaurant. What I wanted to, to, uh, the message I wanted was strength, right? Fish, uh, a tribute to the fishermen. And if you look through the design in here, uh -huh. there's a lot of steel, but there's lights that, uh, resemble a shack from Mississippi where you might buy your crayfish or there's some electric neon lights or, or neon like lights that look like what you might find on the eastern shore. You know, we just and then the bar has the underside of a, a boat feel to it where you might be an ocean going craft. Right. Being in the fish business, tying it in. That was what spoke to me naturally. The view was easy. I mean, the view is easy. So you have this expansive patio with fire pits, a great bar. I want to just sort of end on the grill and like what you're eating when you come here. Fish and because fire the grill, grill is yeah. like big. That's, that's the grill is 
a nine-foot uh, wood fire grill, and you know that's part of what our name is. We have a huge fire pit, and then multiple smaller foot. foot it's 12, a twelve-foot twelve-foot grill. Foot grill. To I correct it was you. fourteen. Yeah, yeah that's all right. I got but, you. But uh, the the we specialize in fish. The best way to cook cook fish high heat quickly, right? right? Don't overcook the fish, but you like that crisp taste without it being fried. Right. That's where we try to get. We work with whole fish specials every day. Our chef Dave Stein comes up with wonderful ways to marinate and make that fish just pop. And then everybody likes a good steak and a nice piece of chicken off the grill. So it, it was a natural to bring it all together. All right, great. Greg, thank you so much Nikki, for having thank me. Thank you. It's always I'm, fun to be with a pro. And I'm very excited to be here for the next month. So we're going to come up with lots of fun ways to bring you back in. Um, so we'll do it we'll soon. We'll be around. All right. Enjoy thanks. it. Well, we just talked with the man, the myth, the legend, Greg Kasten. Once again, I'm so grateful and thankful that he is hosting Industry Night here uh, at The Point DC. Now, if you pay attention to my Insta, you know that I've been traveling a lot and I've also been eating a lot. So, um, but I have these two very special guests today, so I don't want to waste their time because we're probably going to talk about eating in a little bit, but I do want to mention a couple of the places I've been eating at that if you have not been to, or you're like, Hey, Nick, where should I be eating? If you're out in the Bethesda area, you've got to go check out Matt Adler and what he's doing with Caruso's out there. The food, it's Italian. It's so on point. It's not like Italian, like I just went to Italy Italian. It's more like New Jersey, New York Italian. They don't say mozzarella. They say mozzarella. That's the kind of Italian you're going to eat there. Um, Dear Sushi, David Deshaies and the team at Love Mikado. I've told you so much about the omakase, their beloved barbecue. I had not gone to the sushi omakase. It's fantastic. Very unique, very affordable, and uh, a really serene situation. So definitely check that out. Let's see where else have I been. Oh my God. Hello, Chefs for Equality just ended. So if you weren't able to join us this year, you missed the party of DC. Uh, David Hagedorn, Anthony Hasillas, Mark Andre, Amber Fow, myself, um, AJ Johnson, Adra Williams, Jackie Ludden, I know I'm missing somebody, Matt F. Wright. Anyway, we are an all-volunteer uh, group that puts on an 800-person baller event for the Human Rights Campaign. We raise funds for civil liberties for everybody, especially those in the LBGTQIA community. Um, it's an amazing event. Go check my Insta so you can see all the fun we had. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you who came. And a special thanks to all the chefs, pastry chefs, mixologists, and all those who donated so generously this year because it is, is without a doubt our biggest year ever. Okay, two other places that I hit that you need to check out if you haven't. I went to Daru. It's a fabulous little neighborhood Indian restaurant on 8th Street Northeast. It gets a lot of play. The food is very good. The service is terrific. Actually, their wine person is amazing. Her name is Mitzi, and she's terrific. I'm not going to tell you if you're in Georgetown to race over to Daru or if you're coming from out of town to come to Daru, but if you're on H Street or if you're in those neighborhoods, it's definitely worth checking out. I also did pop into um, Eric Brunner Yang's Maketo because it's always so good and I love him. Um, and we had a fabulous dish there um, and the staff is amazing. Again, it is on H Street Northeast. It's not in my point of view all the time, but if you're over there, 
definitely one to keep on your list. Okay. So as a regular listener of the show, you all know that I love to travel. I love it. But I really don't love making the travel plans. Like that's so not in my wheelhouse. Um, And when I was a less seasoned traveler, this is quite a few years back, um, I went to this hotel um, overseas and I had done all the planning. I made all the reservations. I did all the things to put this trip together. And it was really stressful, quite frankly. And when I arrived uh, with my husband at this hotel, the concierge greeted us, gave us a little bit of bubbly and was like, I would love to know what you plan on doing while you're here. And I was like, oh, here, here's my itinerary. And he was very gentle with me and said, "Um, can I fix it? And I was like, oh my God, yes. Would you please, please, please fix my itinerary. And he and I had this wonderful conversation afterwards. And he basically said to me that wherever you travel, you should always find out about the concierge program at that hotel because that can really make or break your trip. And I have taken that advice and used it going forward, but it really occurred to me that there's so many people who don't really understand the expertise a concierge brings to the table or how to use a concierge or work with a concierge in such a way. Now I am sitting with two people that I've known for actually a really long time. I don't know Leslie as long as I know Jeff, but I do know both of them very, very well. Um, They are both um, very highly visible concierges in the DC area. Leslie Bolton, she is the lead concierge at the St. Regis. Jeffrey Morgan, who is the chef concierge at the Conrad. Now I've known him since he was at the Four Seasons. Um, And here's the thing about both of them that they share in common because they did not come to these roles on a similar path, but they are both generous souls They are thoughtful problem solvers, and they really convey hospitality, not just in their work life, like professionally, but also personally. And I think there's something to that when you are a concierge. So they're both both past presidents of the Washington Area Concierge Association. You're the current president, my apologies. Um, And they're also members of, and I hope to God I don't butcher this, Le Clef's Door. Le Clay Door. Le Clay Door, my French sucks. Um, Okay, so let's get an education. So hi to both of you. Thank you so much for joining me. So Jeff, I kind of want to talk with you because you went the chef route, legit chef route first. Let's talk a little bit about your background and how you got, how you wound up being at the desk as a concierge in this industry. It was a very circuitous uh, route that I took just because of the fact that um, I did go to culinary school. I um, went to Johnson and Wales. I loved it. I was really fortunate enough to go through a, um, uh, internship program where I was able to go to um, Paris and in that internship program I was um, had this these experiences that were once in a lifetime experiences I went to it was run through the Chamber of Commerce it's called uh, Paris it's called Ecole Ferrandi okay and through them I was afforded the opportunity to go to Ritz Escoffier the Cordon Bleu wow and just had some amazing amazing um, experiences and met, met some really incredible people and mm-hmm. just still are friends with them today. And after that, I came back. I had my own catering company in Rhode Island 
and then just was in the back of the house cooking. Okay. Um, when I first got to DC, I started at Red Sage. That was oh my god! Take I know. Me back. Christopher Vasquez and I were at Red Sage working together way back when. Right. And that was in the nineties. I always forget he was at Red Sage first because yep. I know him from Zatina. I don't uh-huh. think I knew him at Red Sage. So we are so dating ourselves. I know. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved it, and I love the hospitality industry. And you, you really do. It's something that's in your veins. Mm-hmm. If you, you know it, you love it. It's something that you're okay, always going to enjoy. Okay, but how did you wind up from the back of the house, not just to the front of the house, because it's not like you're a host in a restaurant. How, how did you find out? Wind up at the desk as a so, concierge. What was that? I was working for Robert Wiedemeyer at Aquarelle. Oh my God! In the Watergate Hotel. In the Watergate Hotel. Uh-huh. And he decided that he was going to leave the Watergate and open up his own place, right. which was to be Marcel. Marcel. And he introduced me to. Um, Mr. Stan Bromley at the Four Seasons. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows Stan. Yep. And his son, Mark, is now the GM yeah, the Four Seasons All right now. Family. It's a small world in yeah. the DC industry, especially in hospitality. So I was working in um, the back of the house, but Robert said, you know, I want you to be, to go home, put on a suit. I need a manager in the front of the house. That was the first time I did it. And that was at Aquarelle. Okay. And then I left Aquarelle and started as a, was going to go in the kitchen, work in the kitchen at Four Seasons, but they said, you know what, we'd like to put you in the front of the house. So I went as an assistant manager and I ran the um, garden terrace. Oh my God. I'm, I'm dating I got myself. I drunk in that garden terrace, let me tell you. <laughs> we'll talk about that off air. Go ahead. But the garden terrace was great. I had a great. boss who like, my boss, we, we worked right next door to the Four Seasons. The high tea. I, I had mean, a boss. It was amazing who like totally believed in three martini lunches <laughs> and she, I mean, I didn't drink martinis. But I, there were days I, I have no idea how I got home, but anyway, <laughs> I digress a lot. Okay. But someone actually Javier Larrero was the head concierge mm. came up to me and said, would you be interested in being a concierge? Right. I told him I had absolutely no idea. He said, you have the, the wherewithal and you have the means and you have the personality and think you'd be good at it. And I had a lot of connections in the chef industry, not as many, um, or had quite a few just being in the industry, loving it. And just right. so it just made a huge connect for me, just going from F&B to concierge. Okay. And so I started and 17, 18 years later, I um, was president twice of the concierge association. This is my third time being president. Wow. And um, I love it. I just really enjoy working with people, being and doing things for people and orchestrating their trips. Well, we're going to get into that. Okay. So I'm going to put a pin in you for a second. Leslie. Not easily done. I apologize. Yes, I know. I'm going to put a pin in you for a second. So Leslie, let's talk about you. I mean, your route here is not the same as his at all. How did you become, what made you decide to become a concierge? So I was a stay-at-home mom with three boys. Okay. And I was like the organizer of the neighborhood. I would rent buses to go up to the Orioles, see the Orioles games. I love stuff at the Kennedy Center. So you could plan my travel trip. You like to plan. Yes, I'm a planner. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. So then what happened was for my 40th birthday, my husband and I went to the Cayman Islands, stayed at a Hyatt. And I met the concierge for the first time. I never knew what a concierge was. I never traveled like that. And I thought, oh my gosh, if I ever go back to work, that's what I want to do. And so at the time, my husband had a job that was based in New York. And sure enough, six months later, he lost his job. 
And I thought, okay, now is my opportunity to get out of the house and find something else. So I ended up going out to the Vienna Women's Hospital, uh, Center, which was a, a counseling center for women going back to work or whatever. And there on the bulletin board was a little um, job fair at the Hyatt in Reston. Wow. And they were looking for shuttle drivers, laundry, housekeepers, front desk. So I thought, okay, I can work the front desk, learn that, and then concierge is what I wanted to do. Right. So I called my hairstylist that morning, got my hair cut, went over with no resume, no references, walked into the job fair, and I said, well, I really want to be a concierge, but I'll start at the front desk. And they said, oh, well, we might have something for you. And sure enough, they had a position on the concierge level mm. um, available. So I, I went there, and I got the job, and I started working with a Lake Claydor concierge who was in the lobby, mm -hmm. who was very involved with Washington Area Concierge Association. So you had a mentor. Yes. Yeah, so that's kind of how it started. And I, I thought I'd start in Reston, Virginia first because I didn't know anything about concierging. So I worked there for about a year and a half. And then I'm sitting at a holiday party with a new employee. And I said to him, where you, where did you come from? And he said, oh, the Park Hyatt. I said, oh, that's where I want to work. Right. And he said, oh, there's a position, a concierge position open. So from the Reston Hyatt, a year and a half later, I ended up at the Park Hyatt. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so now let's talk for those who don't, really know what a concierge is because that term you know 30 years ago it did have a very specific term but it's thrown around a lot these yes. days as a service right yes. what does it mean Leslie what does it mean to you as, as a you know you're at the St. Regis sure. what does it mean sure. to you so I think about like a we're a hotel concierge right um I sit I have a sit down desk a lot of people have uh stand up desks but we are a separate desk from the front desk. Mm -hmm. We have a sign on our desk that says concierge and we help our guests with whatever needs they have restaurant reservations, transportation, coming to the airport, private uh tours of the city, city bus tours, tickets to theater. Um anything that anyone needs help with mm -hmm. and it's a free service and that's you know that's what's a little difficult with our industry as concierge is that people don't really there are, uh, people have told me oh we're afraid to talk to the concierge because we don't you, you don't I want to be best friends with the concierge yeah. I like walk in David goes to check in I'm like I'll be back I'm like hi yeah. I'm Mickey yes. but people have to know that it's a it's a complimentary service it's mm -hmm. a service provided at mostly luxury properties right it is mostly luxury and the thing is is that we love what we do and we're doing it for you because we want to do it and we are there to assist the guest with whatever they need. But how, let's talk about how to best use a concierge, right? Or work with a concierge. Because Yuna and I have had off-record conversations about, you know, last-minute requests. Not that shit doesn't happen. But if I'm staying at the Conrad DC, or I know like two weeks out, I'm coming to DC and I'm going to be staying at the Conrad, how would you advise me to get in touch with you and work with you? Well, for the most part, and this is with most uh, luxury hotels, we do send pre-arrival letters. Mm. We reach out to the guests saying, hi, we're looking forward to your arrival. What can we do to help? We know that, we know that you're going to be staying this many number of nights. You're going to be this many people. And would you, or do you have any special requests? And with that, they respond. And then that's where we jump in and take our cue 
and say, oh, I see you're going to be here for four nights. There's a lot going on. Are you interested in any dinner reservations? Or is there somehow that we can assist you with maybe some theater or anything that would be of interest to you as a guest or things that I would like to show or impart my knowledge to you of the city? So something that you probably haven't seen or done. And it's so, we're so lucky to be in Washington because there's so many oh free gosh. things. Yeah, right? so, many so much to do. book anything. A lot right. of, you know, the rest, the restaurants you have to book, certainly. But the for the most part, the museums, you don't need to book ahead of time. So we'll help them with itineraries, like go here in the morning. If you want to go see the Capitol, go in the morning at the Capitol. You know, different different things like that. Right. Um, so we we have it much easier in washington dc because you don't have to purchase a lot of tickets where mm. our colleagues in other cities and um there's a lot that they have a, a lot a lot more pre-stuff that they have to do but you do need to keep your fingers on the pulse oh for sure of what's yes. happening and especially in elevated hotels you're getting a pretty elevated clientele you for know sure. People, um, and you know, we all deal with people who think they know or, you know, so you have to sort of help guide them. I mean, I, I will tell you a story. It's so funny. This is years ago. I was at the area, which is now the wharf, but you both remember what it looked like before it was oh, the wharf. Yes. There was a Phillips there, nice. right? I thought it was atrocious, but there was, um, oh, what was the group? There was a food and wine group. Uh, that used to do an event there, a crab event every year. Uh, I know you know it. Uh, American yes. Institute of Wine and Food or Food yes. and Wine, yes. So anyway, I used to judge this event. All the chefs would participate. But I remember like my first time there, I was like, where am I? And I see this older couple, a cab drops them off. And I see them like looking and I'm like, can I help you? <laughs> and they were like, well, our concierge or somebody from the hotel, it probably wasn't a concierge, said we should come here for dinner. And I was like, no, you shouldn't. <laughs> Call that cat back. I was like, I'm going to send you someplace else. I was like, you are not coming to DC and eating here. No two ways about it. But there is sort of this mis misconception that somebody's on the take. Yes. Like you're not recommending restaurants or, or tour groups mm -hmm. or something like that because you're getting money somewhere other than the hotel that's paying you. What do that you, is, how that's, do you answer that? that? that so, so Jeff and I are part of this international concierge association called Lake Claydor. Right. And and I like the way you say it as opposed to how I say it. No, it's just Lake Claydor. I mean, it's spelled so oddly that you. Well, it's spelled in French. Yes, right. exactly. Um, the key, the key. Yes, exactly. So, so we. So, code of ethics. Yeah. We're, it's basically in, what we have and what we live by and how we live every day, not yes. just our job, but our everyday life. It's yeah, just so that we know. It's against. I mean, that's, we're not sending people to restaurants because they're paying us to do that. And some people do have that conception. I know Vegas has that con conception and people, I'm like, no, we, we don't do that. I don't mm -hmm. know what they do in Vegas, but we, uh, we, we send guests to places that we know, we trust, we know they're going to be taken care of. Right. And that's, and it's the guests first. Well, so let's talk about this organization. How does, like, how, how did you find out about it? How, what do you have to do to become a member? What are the code of ethics? And does it does the hotel, like your hotel, become a member? Or is it just you? Like, how does it work? Like, how do I find out? Like, if I'm going to a hotel, how do I make sure that they are a part of the organization? 
So Le Clédor is the keys of gold, translated okay. in French. Mm -hmm. So when you walk into a hotel and you see a concierge wearing the gold pins, you know that this person is been around and has an intense knowledge. Because to become a Le Clédor member, you have to be a member of a concierge, hotel concierge, for a minimum of, when I was started, it was seven years, but it's now five years. Okay. And I was fortunate enough to work at um, Four Seasons, where everybody was the Le Clédor but myself. So both Leslie and I were very fortunate to have mentors and to show us the ropes okay. and teach us how to learn about the mechanisms, what you really want to know, how to be um, moral, keep your morals, but yet keep your fingers on the pulse and know what's going on. And it's not about what I want the guest to do. It's about what the guest wants to do and how I can recommend the best thing for them. Yeah. Well, I think that's really important, right? Because yeah. you may think, you know, I may come to you and be like, this is what I want. And in your head, like maybe that couple, maybe I sent them to the wrong restaurant. Maybe they were like, no, this is what we want. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe yes. that person yeah. heard them. Yeah. So part of the Lake Claydor is it, it is an international um, organization made up of about 4,000 concierge okay. around the world. Mm -hmm. So if Jeff has a guest that's going to Istanbul or I have a guest that's going to Dubai, I can contact our friends over there and they will be well taken care of. It's okay. an incredible so we have, network. Yeah. Oh, so that part didn't occur to me, but now yeah. that you see that, that makes so much sense. Yeah. So if I say, if I have a relationship with a concierge and I say, I'm going to X hotel there, it's just like a, it's like using the network. Yes. Right? Like a yeah. totally yeah. That's what it's all about. Yeah. And keeping the connections. I had a guest come up to me and said, oh my gosh, I see that you are like Claydor. Do you know? And they pulled up a picture and I said, oh my God, that's John. I know him so well. Yeah. And next thing I know, the next morning they came down, John says hi. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Oh, it happens all the time. And that's what we love, those connections, right? right? And it is. And it's then so amazing. For, for our local association, it's yes. called the Washington Area Concierge Association. And it's mirrored after Lake Claydor. So we have followed So how all. old is the association? So Lake Claydor is, I think no, it was... No. Oh, Washington, yeah. uh, Washington area. Uh, Lake Clay Dora has been around for a really long yeah. time, it has. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. We, uh, the Washington Area Concierge Association has been here for about 40 years. Okay. We started about 40 years ago. Wow. And and the DC, we call it WACA, Washington Area oh, Concierge no. Association, is very well known. Like, it is. We were one of the early oh, yeah. um, associations compared to other ones in the city. So, every, I mean, in the, in the, in the country. Yeah. So a lot of the... Chicago, Dallas, San Model Francisco. Yes, exactly. Well, I mean, I think DC is, given its size 40 years ago, you know, between the Restaurant Association of Metropolitan Washington and the Washington Area Concierge Association, you know, it, there wasn't the breadth and depth that we have today. Yes. Do you know yes. what I mean? So maybe because of that, it was able to really formulate how to behave, what to do, and, you know, how to be a good membership-driven organization. And how we've all grown together. Right. R-A-M-W, W-A-C-A. Yes. You know, it's just WACA, Remy's. I mean, how we've looked and learned Destination DC. It's what we've all done to promote the city as ambassadors for the city. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's what we really do is want to show our guests what we have to offer. This city has such an incredible wealth of, you know, sites and yeah. monuments and just museums. It's really very fortunate we're very fortunate to live in such a great city yeah. oh no absolutely and you know listen you made some very valid points about you know 
the uh, accessibility of so many museums and things like that, you know, unlike the, most cities around the world, where you know right. you, have to, you have to pay tickets. for and you have to pay tickets, yeah. pay for the tickets, you have to book the tickets in advance, mm-hmm. and it's really very much more difficult than it is for us in DC. So now with Waka, <clears throat> how does the public? Is there a public engagement with Waka, or is it really just? For the concierge, is it education? Tell me what's happening there. So with Waka, it's more about a public knowledge and a public interaction with our vendors and within the city as well. So we do have a, an incredible relationship with Destination DC. We're very fortunate, as well as Leslie has been working very um, closely with the American Experience Foundation. And you know, not only do we work well with the different um, organizations in the city, we also contribute back into the city, um, donating back into different um, areas of, um, you know, for example, we had uh, the American Experience Foundation. We did a fundraiser this year mm. and we're fortunate enough to give them a nice, a nice check. What and is the American Experience Foundation? It's part of um, Destination, Destination DC, DC. Okay. but it's, um, it's an educational arm that's a nonprofit that helps city kids because we have some hospitality high schools in dc we do yeah so um this organization helps place uh educate these young kids mm-hmm. get them involved with hospitality opportunities culinary yeah um, ho- any area of the hospitality industry and well, then you know go ahead finish so and then from high school they'll go into culinary schools or hospitality schools and hotels um, as well. and ho- yeah. kitchens yeah and this kind um, of like just uh, and then, dc central like dc central yeah mm-hmm. and the american education foundation mentors them through college and mm-hmm. helps find uh scholarships for them and mm-hmm. the concierge association in dc we have a fundraiser you say about the public so right. we have a fundraiser every year uh we it's a it's a fundraising for it's a gala it's mm-hmm. a very nice event um and the public's invited and we raise money for a, one community project and then a scholarship program too mm-hmm. for kids that are going into hospitality. I love that. And you know, but one of the things, you know, and I've talked about this with other people uh, in the hospitality industry, um, you know, listen, there's a shortage of employees, especially sure. in the hospitality industry. Yes. Um, and it's affecting all arms of it. Oh yes. Um, and there are, young people who maybe aren't going to college or maybe, you know, don't know what the hospitality industry has for them. But one of the things I've seen firsthand is that if you grow up sort of in poverty, right? If you don't, if you don't eat in restaurants, if you don't go to the hotels, if you don't, if you don't know, if you haven't been sort of not just exposed, but if you aren't given kindness, it is hard to give kindness back, right? So the question is, is how to reach young people who maybe don't have the advantages that many do and show them that hospitality is, it's a, it is a take and give. Oh, that sure. when yeah. you do something amazing for somebody in your profession, the gratitude doesn't come all the time, I'm sure. <laughs> but the gratitude, but, it's, but it's, it's, it, it's beneficial. It's what... It's a personal gratification. Right? Yes, it really is. And that's one of the best things that I love about it. And, and that's what it is. It's, I get so much satisfaction in my job daily that I love giving back. 
-hmm. And that's what, you know, Washington Area Concierge Association is about. Um, Lake Play Door is also about, it's about not only receiving, but giving back. And that's the way life, I mean, going back to when I was a kid, my parents were always just like, you know what? You've been given, so you have to give back. Mm -hmm. so I it's agree. Just yeah. One of those things in life that I've learned at a very young age. Well, and but like I said, not it's everybody great. has, not everybody that. has that. I used to call it the hospitality chip. You know that some people just have it. They just they want to like they're you know you're sitting at a restaurant and they hear somebody talking about something. They're like, do you know? And I'm always like, yes. Would <laughs> <laughs> you like me to help you? I can help you with that. Do you know what I mean? Like there's some people yes. just like want to oh. be that person. Oh yeah. Um, and I'm, I know you both are because I know how generous you both are. All right. So let's talk about some like nitty gritty things in DC. Somebody says to you, Leslie, uh, unless you're staying at the St. Regis, it is a very certain clientele. Same with the Conrad. Um, I'm coming into DC for the day. Um, I want a great place for lunch. I want something to do before dinner. And I want to go to dinner. Where are we going? So you always have to ask them, like, what kind of cuisine would you right. like? Do you want to have full table service? Um, Dietary restrictions. Yeah, all kinds of stuff like right. that. But um, so uh, what I I love, especially when the weather is great, is I love the wharf. I know. It's I love the wharf. I say I tell people, you know, go see your museum or go to lunch first at the wharf. It's a beautiful promenade on the marina. It's so shiny. It's people <laughs> watching, and you know, there's rooftop places and yes. so i i i love to send people to the wharf okay um and then it's a quick walk to wherever you want to go in in the national mall area to any of the museums yeah, you just go up the stairs exactly. yeah it's yeah. really amazing yeah it's great and then you know it just depends on their cuisine like if they're going to be at the wharf for lunch then maybe they want to go someplace off the beaten track for dinner mm -hmm. um Okay, so what's off the beaten path? Yeah, Come on, you're not okay. giving me names. <laughs> Come on, give me one. Well, so in my neighborhood, which I always love to send our guests to neighborhood restaurants. Sure. And so with this new mid-city center, mm -hmm. um, we have these great new restaurants. Shoto oh, yeah. is there. We have Gazinono's there. Yes. We have... Uh, Dauphine's. Dauphine's is there. But And Velotimo just opened. Just Nick opened. Yeah. yeah. Back open. Yeah, you're not wrong. No, so I, you know, that's what I like to send guests in that are going to dinner in the neighborhood. Okay, I love that. Something fun, something different, you know. And yes. Just like to see a different area of the, you know, so if you're going to go to lunch at the wharf, and which I do the exact same thing, I'll send them to Ofashina because, you know, it's great. It's warm out, sit on the roof. Oh my God, have is this a nice the Nick Stefanelli show with no special guest stars? <laughs> go ahead. He's not paying me. I just want to remind you. Okay, go he's ahead. He's a great support to us. That's what I should tell you. Oh, of course. Yes, I mean, yes. so, so many. We're just very fortunate yeah. Yeah. to have such a great city. And then, um, you know, try something different. Some maybe go to Georgetown or even um, downtown. Uh, I love um, Lardenta. Lardenta is great. Yes. And, and that's also a totally new, new area. New area, something right? different. Oh Jeff just took me there. I was like, we were, we went to this to new. Need Hospitality just opened um, at the. Easter du Jour. at yes. the Sinesta. Yes, the Royal Sinesta. Yeah. Sinesta. Grand opening next week. And it is amazing. No. Need, it, Need Hospitality is also amazing. They so, are. I mean, just, we're very fortunate to have such great restaurants. As I said, when I started here with Red Sage, that was the first non meat 
you know, and potato restaurant. Oh yeah. It was just all steak and potatoes. Mark Miller and one, and one no. yeah, and one French and Mark Miller just busted the scene. And ever since then we've been growing and growing and growing. And that's what I love about this. Yeah, that city. Mass Avenue yeah. is amazing. It, it is. is amazing. I yeah. totally agree. I think what's fascinating what um, doing here at Point. I know. Oh yeah. I know. I mean, you know, uh, Greg Caston said he's like, it's you know, you can't you know you can't drive here because you know there's so much construction. I was like, or look at what's happening here because there's so much construction. Like it's just Amazing. It's all good for the city. It is. It's all great. And the expansion of the different areas, Navy Yard, the wharf. I know. Georgetown has been great, but it's just and it's having a resurgence as well. I, it, you know, it's all where the city spends the money, and you can just see them spending the money everywhere. Um, okay, we're going to wrap up. I want to ask you guys, I'm trying to think what's the last question I want to ask. I want to ask you each. Um, if I know you want to take in what everybody wants, but if there's something to see in the city, that's not like, you don't see it everywhere, not the museum, stuff like that. But if there's something that you're like, it's so special, I want you, you know, the right person that you send them to that. What is it? Hmm. Well, for me, it's not new. It's, and it's, it is a museum. It's Hillwood. Oh, totally. Okay. I love that. It doesn't yeah. have to be new, but like yeah. something that like, you know, so, you don't see in all the books. You don't find it everywhere. Yeah. So there was just, death. I can't remember who wrote her book, but there was just a, a book I just read about Meriwether um, Post. And uh -huh. it was fascinating. I had no idea. I mean, I knew that she was somehow related to an ambassador and that's where she got her Fabergé eggs. And, mm -hmm. Right. But her history is amazing. Oh, incredible. And, yeah. I mean, it's so... Now I have a, a whole new eye when I go visit there because there's so much that I, I learned about her family and her parents and why the they children. have the little Adirondack cows. Mm -hmm. Right. It's, it's, it's beautiful. So the, I love Tillwood. Okay. You know, and there are so many hidden gems. Glenstone. Love I know. That. I love Glenstone. I mean, there are just so many unique, and it depends on the person, as Agreed. I said. So, and I'm having um, a hard time with the name. But she has an amazing uh, porcelain, paint, hand-painted porcelain. Yeah. Um, Weather. Weather Ann Weatherly. Yes. And she does hand-painted porcelain. And she's located in um, Arlington. Okay. And she has a studio. She has a studio. But she sells in um, Neiman Marcus. Wow. She sells in Bloomingdale's. And I mean, she's just, it's one of those things botanical. that. Botanical. If you, Lovely. yeah, botanical. She's actually, her dishes are on the table. At the Inn Washington. I mean, she's just got it. It's, she's local. She's yeah. and having a tea with Ann Weather is a unique experience. That is cool. Okay, those are two. My last thing that okay, I really love the cheap, cheap I am way, taking notes. Go cheap ahead. way to get out of the water is take that um, water taxi. Oh, I have done that. I love the water taxi from the wharf over to Old Town because the one from Georgetown to the wharf doesn't have the upper deck. But the one from the wharf to Old Town, you can go upstairs. And I love the that. Bridge. Well, I will tell you, one of my favorite things to do is I park my car in Bethesda. I rent a city bike. I take the bike down the Crescent Trail. Yeah. I park it down at the bottom. And then I walk over and I take the water taxi to the wharf. Yes. 
and then hang out at the what? Like, I love that. To me, That's it, it is a, it's, it's a, a good day. day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. there are great new restaurants in Old Town. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I mean like, yeah. it's all good news. Yeah. We're very fortunate. Okay. One piece of advice you want to give to anybody when dealing to find a concierge? Because I think sometimes we don't know. You know, like I did go to a hotel that I asked about the concierge service, that we have a great concierge service, but the concierge didn't really know the restaurants and they didn't really, they knew how to get tickets. But I like, I wanted somebody who wanted to be like, no, 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 you want to go here. So yeah. like, how do you suss that out? It's hard because there are, I mean, certainly I would always start and see if there's a Lake Clay door. Lake I would Lake always door. call ahead and say, can I talk to the top, you know, the head concierge, mm -hmm. the chef concierge, the lead concierge. And if they're not available, then they'll give you, start with an email address, right. an email address. That's the great way to, to reach out to a concierge because then everyone on the desk is involved. But Jeff, you know, there's, he might be better at restaurants. I may be better at theaters. Someone else might be better at where to shop. So mm -hmm. there's no one like, it's going to be perfect in everything, but if you, Try and find a Lake Lador, and you can go on our Lake Lador website. Oh, okay. And you can find hotels that have Lake Ladors, and that's open to the public. Oh, well, that's good to know. Exactly. Okay. And you know, one thing that I love is that you know, being a seasoned, another word for being old, <laughs> concierge, is that we're able to mentor and bring the younger generation into the fold mm. and show them what it's like and how to do what you can, whatever you can do and learn and learn about the city, learn about the restaurants, become involved in the different organizations. And it is about just absorbing as much knowledge as you can and just having the next generation of um, concierge learn and be as good as, you know, if not better than we are. All right. Well, thank you both. Thank so you much for having us. Time. This was so much fun. It was very comfortable. Really okay. appreciate. <laughs> so really right. appreciate. Let me just this. wrap up the show. Uh, so, thank you so much for joining me today at our new residency here at the Point DC down on Buzzards Point. If you haven't been to this fabulous restaurant, it is massive and it is gorgeous, and the oysters are amazing. And if you are a patio person, you want to sit out there with the fire pits, sipping your drink and eating some oysters. It's really a wonderful way to spend the day. Everything you heard here today, you can find on the listareyouwanna.com. You can also follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, and of course, you want to subscribe to the show, download it, ask us questions. You heard a lot of information here today. Feel free to ping me on any of those platforms and I will absolutely get back to you. Thanks so much for joining me today and have a delicious week. Produced by HeartCast Media.